1: who is author of the 2022 book, Jobless Growth in the Dominican Republic, Disorganization, Precarity, and Livelihoods, from Stanford University Press. And the book takes off from a situation uh, in the Dominican Republic where the country has posted impressive economic growth rates over the past 30 years, but the generation of new good jobs has been remarkably weak. And Christian uh, does ethnographic research into the lives of ordinary and poor Dominicans to ask, how have they worked and lived in the shadow of the country's conspicuous growth rates? Um, So this is an exploration of the popular economy in the Dominican capital, describing furniture manufacturers, food stalls, street corner stores, and savings and credit cooperatives. And it shows how people make a living, tackle market shifts, and the factors that characterize their relationship to the state and pervasive corruption. Uh, So Christian, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time and congratulations on what is a really fascinating book. Thanks a lot, it's uh, a pleasure to be here with you. Um, So I wanna start with a little of your background um, because you've been engaged with researching different aspects of Dominican culture, uh, politics and the economy for more than 30 years. so, can you explain this trajectory, uh, and also sort of tell us how all of that experience led into this book?
0: Yeah, thank you. That's uh, uh, quite a mouthful. Um, I, um, uh, I uh, I'm a Norwegian, and I was trained in anthropology at the University of Oslo, where I would currently work. Um, uh, my uh, my interests in Latin America and the particularly the Spanish-speaking uh, parts of America, emerged fairly, fairly early on and uh, through my studies. I had a supervisor who was an Argentinian, Eduardo Arquete, uh, who worked at the University of Oslo and invited me into Latin American studies. So uh, my first uh, encounter with the uh, Dominican Republic was through my uh, fieldwork for uh, my PhD. And I did a fairly long field work in um, a small community located uh, in the southwestern part of the Dominican Republic, uh, very close to the border between Haiti and the Dominican Republic. As you are uh, aware, um, uh, Haiti and Dominican Republic shares this island, Hispaniola. And um, so, so I started out doing field work in in uh, a, um, a, a a village, a a, a rural area, uh, I'd say, and um, uh, I wrote my dissertation uh, uh, on how the Dominican state and nation had been constructed over the years in the Dominican borderlands, and I. I wrote a monograph based on that 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 I called political authoritarianism in the Dominican Republic. So, I really come from a broad interest in 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 the political, and uh, uh, in many ways, even though uh, this book, jobless growth in Dominican Republic, is very much a study of the economy, and economic anthropology is uh, uh, a key. Uh, um, uh, issue for the book. Uh, I, I still see myself very much as someone who has throughout my career worked on the state and uh, the, on politics in a very broad sense. And I mentioned that because I think that one of one of the interests uh, in the book is also uh, in the book Jobless Growth is to, yes, as you said, do a study of the popular economy in the Dominican capital. But I takes with me. I, I take with me my my longer interest in 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 political anthropology in in and in state formation. And I think that part of what I try to do in the book is also to 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 show how uh, popular economies have to be studied also with a clear interest in how uh, the economic uh, activities and state. Um, uh, formation are always uh, intertwined. So, um, and I think that that comes out really
1: strongly in in the book in a, in a way that's um, I don't I don't know if it's unique, but it's it's certainly not common um, the, the levels of analysis and, uh, and 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 sort of the factors that you're identifying move from many different levels, but sort of all how they. Um, Take shape on the ground in these people's lives. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. I know I'm cutting you off, but maybe we can get into the book, uh, and uh, and sort of why why do you think and and what insights come from from studying these broader economic global processes um, with an eye towards politics, as you say, uh,
0: ethnographically. Um. Well. Um, uh, a lot of insights. I mean, uh, the book uh, is, uh, as you have pointed out, it's a very ethnographic book. There is a lot of, of, of uh, thick ethnography in 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 the book, and I think that ethnography has this power to show um, how, uh, as you say, uh, um, the these macroeconomic processes, these global global. Uh, uh, phenomena that we constantly refer to as the economy or um, or um, gross domestic uh, 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 GDP growth, for example, how that figures in, say, um, very mundane situations where you find the people of, of flesh uh, flesh and blood. I mean, in everyday circumstances, and I think that that is. I mean, the Dominican Republic, as you, as you pointed out, has been one of the fastest growing economies in uh, Latin America and the Caribbean over the last three decades, more or less, roughly speaking. It has a conspicuous uh, average growth rate over a substantial period of time. And then um, I think that through ethnography, I mean, you can you can show how it is to live and live in such an economy. Uh, that, at the, that, that at the same time uh, doesn't produce good jobs or proper jobs. I mean, how is it then to experience and to live in and to work uh, for, uh, say, people that belong to the, to the more ordinary Dominican masses? Uh, uh, how, how is it to experience and live in such an economy that on the, on the one hand experiences uh, massive growth over a sustained period of time, and on the other... Doesn't uh, produce uh, what we typically refer to as, uh, say, decent-paying, uh, secure, uh, right-based jobs, good jobs. So I think that through ethnography, I mean you, you can. You, I think the beauty of ethnography is that you can, you can, you can, through ethnography and analysis, you can make the very specific and the very concrete. Uh, tell a larger story. So in this case, I mean, the, 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 hardships and the struggles among the common people in, 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 in the Caribbean's largest city, Santo Domingo, a city that now houses say 3 million people. I mean, those hardships can be used to tell different stories about how certain people, I mean, experience what it is referred to as as the growth, this this economic uh, uh, phenomenon, I mean, the macroeconomic growth in, in 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 the Dominican Republic, which
1: even on a moral level is arguably a lot more important than just saying that the GDP went way up, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and should be what we're concerned with um, yep. when yep. we think about like what you know economic policies are are just and um, yeah effective. So. Let's get into that field work a little bit. Um, you you chose four sectors of the economy, right? It's yeah. uh, And there are different chapters for each one. Uh, you talk about furniture makers. You talk about women uh, who sell food and vegetables in small stalls, kind of on the street. Yeah. Um, you talk about uh, like corner stores, the small retail sector. Um, and you also talk about uh, cooperatives. Yep. Yeah. So why... How did you come to those to those four sectors?
0: Uh, that's a very, very uh, good question and a bit hard to answer because uh, uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a clear plan when I started out to be working uh, on those sectors. As a matter of fact, even though I've followed and worked on the, the Dominican Republic uh, for, as you said, uh, a period of some 30 years, when I started up my field work in 2012 uh, in Santo Domingo, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't previously worked in the Dominican capital. Uh, so I had no, and I hadn't been back uh, to Santo Domingo for very many years and i had almost no contacts in 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 the capital area with which to start up so um that the but in the meantime i had been uh i had done a, a few work in new york city uh so i had done a, a few work among dominicans in an urban uh, area and that had taught me that If I wanted to do uh, research on uh, say economic activities among ordinary people, it would be good uh, in such a urban setting to start with trying to track down some of the activists and leaders of small business organizations. So I did that in New York City and I tried uh, in that way to get in touch with not only political activists and political leaders and new and 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 small businesses association people but the the kinds of, of people that they organized so uh and I worked uh for a couple of these sectors that you refer to i mean the uh, the furniture um there is one chapter in the book uh on dominican furniture makers small dominican furniture makers and uh, I, I I work my way into that sector through initially working with some of uh, uh, some of the people who organized this sector, and the same applies to uh, the corner, the, the street corner uh, uh, groceries, uh, the Dominican uh, neighborhood stores called Colmados. Uh, in there as well. I tried to get in touch with uh, business owners and uh, and uh, people just not interested in politics, but but organized. And then, I mean, so I worked my way into networks uh, and 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 eventually uh, individual stores and eventual precarious businesses and and individual families through this network. And the same applies to. How I worked uh, my way into um, the cooperative movement. In that case, I had to to get a a clearance from the top within the national uh, cooperativist movement, so that I was allowed. I mean, to, to do ethnography uh, uh, among, say, small cooperatives. And but once I had uh, gotten in touch with uh, certain Businesses, certain uh, cooperatives through these networks, these politically driven um, uh, unions, so to speak, or um, the, the uh, cooperativist cooperative, cooperativeist movement. I I pretty much uh, worked on my own. Yeah, but this doesn't really answer your question. I mean, how, why these four fields? I wanted. Um, I I think that jobless growth uh is a phenomenon that invites you to uh, think about what uh, we refer to as political economic analysis these days and uh, i pretty much agree with some leading figures in uh, in current anthropology like uh, james ferguson uh tanya murray lee who uh, invite us to be uh uh, not so um, uh, focused on wage labor as we used to be in previous times, and as they say, decenter uh, a bit uh, um, the, the the relevance of uh, more formal sector work. And so, I was from the outset interested in finding fields where I could study popular sector activities or forms of popular economic action that wasn't too, uh, based or, 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 uh, too tied to just straightforward factory work or, or, or wage labor. And then it was more of a matter of, of, of access. I mean, whether I, I could have worked on other sectors. I mean, there are very many different forms of family, of, of family, uh base operations i mean in in other sectors than for example furniture making but it represents uh, a case and i i thought that uh, i got some good feedback from certain uh actors and i got access so always when i've been working ethnographically i've emphasized a lot whether i feel that there is there is uh a, a, a kind of opening that that there are some people with whom uh, it's easy to have longer conversations, and I I mean I found that in some of these sectors, but that was a bit by chance. I mean I it wasn't my plan. I mean but I I gradually gravitated into uh, the furniture making sector, and then the, um, the colmados, and then i think that when it comes to the women and uh, the single mothers i explore in one of the chapters that, um that is called uh of violence and precarity gender food depth and it's about um uh women who sustain themselves t- through running a food stall or selling fruit and vegetables and uh, um, it's a chapter that also treats the gender uh, dimension of the popular economy. And that also comes from a long interest that I have. I I mentioned that I was trained uh, by my supervisor, Eduardo Arquete. He was pioneering studies of masculinity in, in, in anthropology. And I learned a lot from that. And I have been, always been interested in I mean, some of my most influential pieces on the Dominican Republic, I think, have been on masculinity and and studies of gender. So, uh, I found that 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 sector lent itself very well to a, 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 a more closer look at how we can study forms of economic activity together with kinship and gender, which I think is a very, very Important topic.
1: So I I agree, um, and I think you know you do a wonderful job of uh, of sort of compare or not comparing, but bringing together um, historical analysis of U.S. imperialism, uh, a discussion of the, the the formation of the Dominican state with these broader economic shifts, and then when you talk about gender, it's very much a cultural construct, right? Um, so I. I'd love to choose one of these sectors and sort of dig into it a little bit. Um, and because I, I think without doing that, you know, we, we can't really understand, I don't know if we have time for all of them, but we're not going to understand sort of that some of the, the beauty of, of good ethnographic work. And this is very good ethnographic work is being able to bring together all these different levels of analysis, um, and, and factors. That are determining, you know, people's lived experiences as they try to, as they try to scratch out a living. Um, so I'll, I'll let you choose. Are Are you interested in talking about the the single mothers selling selling food out of stalls uh, throughout? The listen, period? we can do that. Hmm. Um, which is the one that that discusses gender, as you said. Um, yep. So yeah, what um, kind of taking off from, from that chapter? Um, what, why is gender important and what, and what does that have to do with sort of broader elements in, in Dominican society, um, and even history?
0: Um, gender is, uh, I think, um, a key factor if on, if one wants to understand contemporary Dominican society, I mean, not only Dominican society, but it clearly is if you want to Understand, I think most aspects of uh, contemporary Dominican society, even even the political scene, and uh, that is illustrated, for example, by a book title that um, that that uh, there appeared a book uh, eight, nine years ago that was called "Masculinity After Trujillo," uh, written by a, a U.S.-based um, uh, literary uh, scholar, and. Um, um, I think that uh, you have a very long uh, uh, history uh, in Dominican Republic with a, a fairly strong version of what we usually call machismo. So uh, the, the relationship between the two genders have always been fairly hierarchical among, um, among Dominicans. And um, so um, um, in this chapter on, on the, the single mothers, this is, I mean, this is expressed, for example, uh, by the fact that um, I, I, I chose I choose in the chapter to, to write about uh, the stories, uh, say the biographies and the life stories of uh, 10 women. I mean, uh, six of whom uh, are running footstools and four are um, uh, running a small operation where they sell fruit and vegetables or and tubers and some other stuff i mean selling coffee for example and and um this is not a statistical study so these 10 women uh, do not represent a, a a a a sample in that sense um uh, they they uh, they are chosen because they were accessible I mean and they I think each individual story among these 10 women and they 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 are based in different parts of the city, not in one single neighborhood and but one I mean their their life stories and their stories and their operations uh through the the details I think led us, Explore very representative, broader economic and political and social and gender processes in Dominican society, and then one fact that that that, that expresses, I mean, the the, the force of uh, the the Dominican version of machismo is that when you look at the, the the details of these ten women's stories, you find that they are all single mothers. They have all raised all their children almost without. Any contribution from a partner uh, so that uh, very, very broad sectors of the contemporary political or popular economy in today's Santo Domingo are uh, uh, operations or families where the men, in a very literal sense, figure as fairly marginal. I mean, to the economic stuff that drives the family or the business. I mean, there are so many women that just have to find a way of sustaining they, th- themselves and their children through a a kind of economic operation, and then with very sporadic uh, contributions from their male partners or the fathers of the children. And these women, in this case, illustrate that very well.
1: And the, the detail that you go into when you, because you really go into the economy of a food stall and you know how they how they get transportation for um for the food that they're bringing from the market how much it costs how much they're charging. the i mean it's it's tremendous detail that really sort of highlights the the, the precarity of these operations
0: yeah 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 no they they to me uh express um uh what uh has been described as wageless life. I mean, living uh, in 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 some of these cases, you see that the life story of of the woman uh, shows that she tried wage labor uh, uh, in 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 that, uh, uh, some years back. So one of one of the more interesting things uh, uh, to reflect on here, I think, is that I mean, if you look at this as 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 uh, an economic study is that these women they are as you say uh, and the, the ethnography shows that i think that they are um, they 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 run very precarious operations and their 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 whole economic lives are very precarious in in very many different senses of the word but that said they also they also manage a fairly substantial amount of money uh, in practice through their total operation and that is I think very interesting if you look at uh, if you look at the the minimum wage that they could earn or the the, the, the wage that they could earn if they took a job in uh, as 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 uh, just a, a worker in a cafeteria or if they work for a family as a domestic work and some of these women have tried that then they would, be uh be be running their lives with uh, very little money in comparison with the sums of money that that are channels through their hands on an everyday basis through the way they operate uh there and and it's that is one of the fascinating things i, I to look at i think that i mean that uh, you think the, uh, of this as extremely precarious, extremely marginalized. And in many ways it is. But on the other hand, uh, there are sizable sums of money passing through these forms of operations. And if you don't study it in detail, you wouldn't know. Because who who would think that that was the case when you look at these stalls or you look at these operations?
1: Well, it's very, it's, uh, it's fascinating and it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting because they are relatively low margins and there's the women who are often going into debt, right? I mean, I'm, I'm repeating your analysis. I'm not saying anything, original Mm -hmm. here, but, um, but the fact that the, the actual sums are consequential is, is really
0: interesting. I think that, that, that uh, the the chapter um, it it, um, it 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 tries to situate. I mean, all these women uh, that I study in that chapter, they operate in uh, a part of the 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 city that is often referred to as la zona norte, that the northern areas of the city, and uh, they uh, that is uh, uh, just. Uh, large uh, area of contemporary Santo Domingo that is completely uh, dominated by these forms of precarious operations and, and the popular economy. And one of the, the things that I do in the chapter, besides uh, trying to study in detail, ethnographic detail, that how these women have, have, um, have gravitated into uh, the, the the business uh, activity that they currently um, uh, are involved with um, is to try to situate uh, in terms of history as well uh, both the businesses and also how these parts of the city have have grown uh, historically. so uh, and then I think that, that uh, a key finding in 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 the analysis uh, has also to do with um, the way that at least that that is my impression from my work with these women and also from the broader work that I've done in La Zona Nord or these popular areas of contemporary Santo Domingo is that a new kind of a new kind of Credit economy, to use that word, has has appeared uh, over the last two to three decades, uh, which is very important among these women. Uh, I refer to the fact that all these uh, single mothers who run foot stalls and sell vegetables and fruit, they they are chronically in debt. They and they, they manage uh, a series of debt obligations at the same time. That is a general finding. you And I think that, that it's very, very representative today of what goes on in the broader areas here, that among, among most of the Dominicans who run precarious family operations or small businesses in these parts of the city, uh, you find this tendency to rely on uh, um, a constant stream of small, uh, short-term loans with incredibly high interest rates. So they use uh, they use what they call finance firms, empresas financieras, and the. The the people who have set up these businesses, these finance firms, they make a lot of money, of course, uh, from from these uh, loans with these extremely high interest rates. So I think that one of the the interesting things to be thinking more about that emerges from the analysis and from the ethnography um, among these single mothers running food stalls and, and selling vegetables and fruits has to do with um, the the relevance and the importance and the significance of this credit economy in today's uh, popular economy, and in this case, in, in, in Santo Domingo. I mean, uh, how do we think about this 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 uh, fairly conspicuous uh, uh, credit uh, economy among these poor and ordinary Dominicans today? I think that credit yeah. in many ways yeah. I think yeah. That, I think that it I mean on the one hand it shows that that these um these parts of the economy it shows very well that even these most marginal uh, parts of the so-called popular economy function as completely integrated in the global capitalist economy in the sense that these these finance firms uh, make uh, substantial profits and are completely integrated into uh, important economic activities of course uh, in the contemporary world and 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 through their their daily uh, um, uh, relations with, with all these small precarious business activities and these poor and ordinary Dominicans, that it, that has to do with these small short-term loans. Uh, the uh, vast sectors of the popular economy are far from cut off from the important, I mean the macroeconomy or the globally important uh, capitalist system on the country. I mean they 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 as well, I mean through these uh, extremely uh, precarious activities uh, work as parts of the, the global capitalist uh, economic system, as I see. So that is one way to think about the importance of this. But another thing is to think more. I mean, what? I mean, why? I mean, what does this mean for the women? I mean, and for for I mean, and as I try to show in the chapter uh, or in the book. Um, yes, they are, uh, extreme. They are, they, 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 through these loans and through the fact that they're constantly in debt, they are in a way more vulnerable, more precarious, more exploited and more, um, uh, um, uh, more, more insecure, economically speaking and poorer. but on the other hand, um, as I try to, to, to argue uh, in the book, we, uh, we have to think, as, and, and I'm not the one who has advanced this, this, this argument, there is a, a, an anthropologist who, whose name is Clara Hahn, who has written very instructively about uh, um, uh, poor uh, people in Santiago in Chile, and she has written about the importance of the credit economy among, among them. And she invites us to be thinking about this this phenomenon to 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 be dependent on these 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 um these these, these small loans uh, and and being constantly in debt as also a kind of resource a kind of material and temporal resource that allows people to reproduce their networks their social networks in precisely the situation that is. Completely permeated by precarity in the sense of uh, uh, being completely unpredictable. I mean, they one day they sell a lot of food if they're running a food store and they're well and they can pay off their debts and they can, they can they can they can they can pay the other kinds of expenses. The next day they do exactly the same. They 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 they, they in they they go to the market. They buy the products they need. To be cooking in their food stall to sell uh, uh, breakfast and lunch to to people passing by, but then that day they, they doesn't sell, they, they don't sell very much, and then what do they do? Then they don't have cash for the next day. So I think that the loans represent uh, a a kind of resource that, that 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 let them difficult though it is. Uh, reproduce these uh, social and economic networks that really are sustaining both their family, both themselves and their business. So it's a constant ongoing traffic where there is very little difference between running the family and running the business, but they need these these small cash in, uh, injections from uh, from the loans to be able to reproduce these networks.
1: No, and it's a a fascinating argument and really in-depth analysis that shows how these broader phenomena take root. Um, So you mentioned global capitalist processes, um, and I think we, and maybe listeners are even surprised at this point that we haven't yet talked about um, what gets called neoliberal reform or trade liberalization Or uh, debt on a larger scale, right? That drives structural reform within countries that are um, central to economic change in in contexts like the Dominican Republic over the last uh, 40 plus years, right? And also central to the story that you tell. Um, So maybe, uh, how about we switch to furniture making? Because uh, that's the, I I think it's the first empirical chapter in the book, Um, and you talk about the 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 furniture industry uh, and changes within the furniture industry um, in ways that are affected, sort of both by, I'll say, two sides of the coin of of these uh, economic restructuring policies that gets called neoliberal reform or the, the Washington Consensus as imposed by um, conditions for IMF and World Bank loans. Um, and and I, I think it's, it's fascinating that, that you're comparing on the one hand sort of the way that uh, imported furniture is really um, hurting their business. Um, and also the different cultural values around these, what I assume are beautiful, I think, mahogany pieces that have their own cultural weight versus the imported um, mass-produced goods. Um, but then also, as part of those same reforms, sort of cuts in public sector spending that are not just um, safety nets, but that are uh, you know literally destroying these people's chances to work. Uh, because they're they're destroying. Uh, they've they've left electrical infrastructures very precarious, and um, yeah, people are struggling to produce for those reasons. Um, so yeah, why don't this is a long long winded question and a and a poor summary of the chapter. I apologize, but um, why don't yeah why don't you talk a little bit about the the furniture makers and how they illuminate sort of these broader processes um, coming together? Yeah. Thanks.
0: Um, well, uh, it, 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 was a good summary. I think a good, uh, introduction to, 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 to talking, uh, more about, uh, um, what, uh, the ethnography and the analysis of the furniture, the small Dominican furniture makers does in the book. And as you said, it's, um, the first empirical chapter and, um, uh, I think it plays an, uh it, it, it is meant to play an important role in the book, in the sense that uh, it, it has a lot to do with how I think capitalism, and it has a lot to do with a, a couple of key arguments in the book. Um, I will say uh, I, I will be try to be answering your question concretely, but um, the book is in a way. Um, uh, uh, saying that uh, in many parts of the contemporary world uh, it seems that wage labor is not so so much in on on, on people's mind because uh, people don't really bank on the future on that has that 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 that, that has to do with, with wage labor so that invites uh, 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 a, a question uh um, as 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 um, as an analyst, I mean, do we really need a focus on labor or the labor concept? And one argument in the book is uh, uh, about this question, and I I, I I, try to, throughout the book, I try to say that we need to f- be focusing on labor, and, uh, and we also need the labor concept. I also uh, say that we need to be focusing on something that is perhaps uh, more difficult to grasp. I mean, suddenly, when I say it now, and that is that, I think that as ethnographers and social scientists trying to understand uh, political economy or political economists and also popular economists, we need to be focusing not only on labor but on the relationship between labor and time, social time. And my chapter on 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 the furniture. Uh, makers uh, is uh, a chapter that tries to, through ethnography, to explain uh, that 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 kind of argument. I mean, why why do we need a focus on labor, and why do why do we need a focus on time to to be to be able to to understand contemporary capitalism and contemporary popular economies? And I think that what I try much more ethnographically to do uh, among the Dominican furniture makers is to show that they, uh, these small, uh, because these furniture making is not a a big industry in the Dominican Republic. So the the kinds of furniture making businesses that I'm focusing on are precarious family operations. They're small businesses and uh, workshops. And I treat them not so much as entrepreneurs or capitalists. I treat them more as poor people, ordinary dominionists, trying to labor, trying trying to work through, and trying trying to produce furniture and sell furniture. And and when I focus on their labor, I see that that very much of their labor is uh, made difficult by the fact that they have to find a way of operating economically in a field where they are faced constantly with what I refer to as uh, a diversity of economic and political and bureaucratic rhythms or forms of time. And I mean by that that, I mean to be to be concrete. I mean, uh, you mentioned the import. I mean, there has been an inc- an, an increase in, uh, imports of foreign furniture to the Dominican Republic over the last two three decades that has made it more difficult and more and harder to be a national small uh, maker and seller of of furniture. Now um, the, the, uh, the 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 imports uh, show, I think. And I try to show that in in the book, uh, show one aspect of capitalism which we very often talk about and refer to, and that is that capitalism is is uh, about time space compression. It's about speed, and that, and 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 and, and um, there are so many factors that make it easier easy to import furniture from China, and Mexico, uh, export process, processing zones all around the world into the Dominican Republic. And doesn't take much time. And the import and, and it reflects the fact that, that furniture are produced, pieces of furniture are produced throughout the world um, by, in, in ways that make furniture available in a cheap way. So so this time this time space compression through contemporary capitalism is something that Dominican furniture makers faces through the imports uh, and through the speed of the imports. And, and then on the other hand, they are experiencing, as you, as you said, um, an, uh, an incredible amount of problems related to the availability of electricity, which they need uh, in their workshops, I mean, to be producing. Uh, um, it's a long story, and I shouldn't go into it here. But I mean, the the, the reality is that the Dominican Republic has, for decades, struggled with uh, um, uh, a power sector that that continues to generate long, uh, unpredictable blackouts. So blackouts, and and then to be cut off for from from um, the possibility of producing because you lack electricity is one I'd say one economic rhythm then that that, that that these small furniture makers are are also faced with that that makes it difficult for them. And then I also uh, uh, tried to show that they try to sell uh, I mean at least some of them that they, they try to sell to different parts of the Dominican state system. I mean they try to sell, for example, school furniture, to uh, to the public school system and to the public universities, and um, others try to sell furniture to other parts of of the Dominican uh, public sector. And what they tend to experience these small precarious businesses and small furniture makers and it's pretty pretty clear. I mean, from the ethnography that they they have very bad experiences with that. They they tend to. To, to be 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 met with a lot of waiting a lot of delays a lot of unpredictability so what I'm referring to here is that that some of the rhythms of the different parts of the public sector system or the Dominican state system that potentially buy furniture some of those rhythms are very very hard to read very hard to adapt to and that and, and 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 they often mean a lot of a lot of waiting, a lot of delays So I think that w- one of the things I tried to show in the chapter is that uh, that we should focus on 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 time uh, as a tool to be able to understand ethnographically how labor activities uh, are, uh, are 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 or influenced by, discrepant or different or a multiplicity of political and economic and bureaucratic rhythms. But also, I try to show that a lot of the precarity uh, that people face precisely can be said to have to do with the fact that they are struggling with these uh, these constantly conflicting and divergent and clashing d- different political and economic uh, and, and bureaucratic forms of social time and and different rhythms, so that their labor activities ver- very often have a lot to do with precisely trying to mediate these different uh, rhythms and manage and navigate these different rhythms. So that I think that that if you want to understand certain polit- certain popular economic activities, it It can be helpful to be working on the relationship between labor and time because the focus on time, as I said, I think that for me, uh, the focus on time is not meant as as so much an invitation to be thinking about time in very, very abstract or theoretical terms. It's more a heuristic device. It's more a tool for doing uh, bottom-up research and ethnographic research that can show us the real struggles and the real economy and the real uh, reconstitution of global capitalism through this constant ethnographic focus on how people mediate uh, through their labor, uh, a diversity of social forms of time, economic times that are different, political times that are different.
1: And it seems to also unmask a state that has bent over backwards over these forty years of reforms to uh, shrink, to compress time, and to facilitate international trade and and the liberalization of the economy. So that you know, if you order a sort of a pre- prefabricated furniture from a, a Chinese factory. in an example right it comes very quickly this is a tremendous infrastructure um global infrastructure but that also reflects uh state economic policy and also infrastructures right so on the one hand you have that and on the other hand uh these furniture makers don't have time to work because of a lack of investment in electrical infrastructure and even uh, the the irony goes further when they're attempting to contract with with the state. They,
0: yep, yeah, no, I I, I, I I very much agree, and I appreciate that comment a lot because, uh, you 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 mentioned the previous previously in the conversation the word neoliberalism as well, and 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 uh, I haven't uh uh yet um, uh, commented on that, but of course um, the period. Uh, that the historic period that I cover in the book is roughly the period from the 1990s up to 2020, and uh, in the early 1990s, uh, the Dominican economy was very clearly opened up and went through a series of reforms and changes that meant a a, a form of Institutionalization of what we usually think of as neoliberalism in the Dominican Republic. So, so yes, uh, both the chapter on the furniture makers and also the other chapters are ethnographic portraits of a Dominican society uh, that has been 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 through uh, these two or three last decades of change that uh, uh that, 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 that really, um, has meant, uh, a much more, uh, deregulated and privatized and, 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 and yeah, ne- neoliberal economic system in, in this country as well. Yeah.
1: So let's, I, I think that gives a good sort of basis for zooming out a little bit, um, because this is a book that is very rooted in specificity of, you know, furniture makers in the Dominican Republic or women who have, uh, food stalls. Right. Um, but there are arguments that, and, and, you know, you're very explicit about this and that's sort of the power of that kind of work is being able to extrapolate lessons from these on the ground experiences, uh, of real people facing a global economy, um, and its relationships to politics, to culture, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I, so disclosure. I mean, I I invited you to this interview because I researched Colombia and was reading this book and was fascinated by this book as as having something interesting to say that it, that illuminates the experience of Colombia. Um, details change. Many of the same processes uh, exist, right? Um, so I'm. I guess my question is a question that's often asked to ethnographers, um, but I I want to be clear that I'm not doing it in. In an aggressive or a doubting way, but um, what about what you found in Santo Domingo in the book's analysis? Like, what travels and to where? Like, what is what is this relevant to? What are the broader uh, global processes that, that you can extrapolate for uh, other cases?
0: Uh, that's that's a good question. I think that um, that um, that. Uh, I mean, Jobless Growth is in the title of the book. And um, uh, the last chapter of the book uh, is called um, uh, Jobless Growth, No Labor Futures and the Investigation of Popular Economies. And I think that that uh, one of the things that I've been thinking uh, a lot about is that, uh, of course, I worked in, uh, where I worked, I worked in, in Santo Domingo. It's uh, a, a large urban area. Um, I haven't worked in large areas in uh, large urban areas in Colombia or in um, in parts of West Africa or East Africa or in 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 India or Asia. But based on my impressions and my reading, and uh, I I think that this phenomenon of that we refer to as jobless growth has to be taken more seriously by uh social scientists and uh and ethnographers and anthropologists uh, uh because it i think it i mean one thing is the very obvious that it kinds of um challenges very stereotypical narratives that that Perhaps not so much now, but used to color a lot of social science theory because we used to operate with, say, um, stories uh, about development that were uh, were or social change that were presupposing a fairly clear cut change from, say, uh, uh, rural traditional economies to uh, wage labor in the city or factory work in the city so that uh one of the one 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 what travels i think is that we should uh, pr- probably continue to ask ourselves um wh- how do we think the future of uh, many of these vast urban areas that we now find uh, throughout the world mega cities large urban areas that are where uh, enormous social and material and economic spaces, and that in many cases house millions and millions of people, and uh, where uh, formal sector uh, employment and universal formal sector employment seems a fairly unrealistic idea. At least, I my speculation is, I mean, based on my own ethnography here, but also based on reading other uh, researchers work from South Africa or from India or from other large urban areas throughout the world is that people themselves, the poor themselves, the ordinary citizens themselves, they don't really build their life based on the idea that the future of their life or their family is going to be formal sector wage labor, so that I think that what travels here is the need to be thinking much more about um, why is it that uh, that uh, that millions and millions and millions of ordinary citizens throughout the world, not only in the global south, but also in parts of the global north, for what these these terms are worth, uh, 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 are. Constructing their lives not based on wage uh, on formal sector work, not based on straight forwardly defined uh, waged labor. So we have to be thinking, I think, about the importance and the relevance and the significance of understanding these kinds of precarious economic operations and self employment and and that I'm working on in this book, uh, uh, because it's a phenomenon i think that uh is far from going away it's a it's a phenomenon that in on, uh, on the contrary is uh completely dominating uh in very many places today i mean in most urban spaces today in throughout the world so i think it's a a phenomenon that invites uh, us to 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 take a serious interest i mean just because we care i mean about uh, uh, popular economies and how people fare, but also because it's a phenomenon that raises a lot of, um, more, um, uh, theoretical, uh, questions, uh, if it come from basic social science theory.
1: Absolutely. Um, and I think that's a powerful and wonderful way, um, to end. Um, and I really, I really appreciate, you know, what you said, I think is absolutely true as far as this this jobless growth and people who are um, increasingly uh, cut off from the possibility of waged employment, um, but who are nonetheless scraping out a living in a variety of ways, um, and the ways that you describe in in such beautiful detail, obviously will vary across contexts. But um, but I think the condition that you describe is, um, if not universal, very very widespread. Um, so The book is Jobless Growth in the Dominican Republic, Disorganization, Precarity and Livelihoods by Christian Krohn Hansen. Uh, Christian, I thought this was fascinating. Uh, I want to thank you so much for, for taking the
0: time to, to chat with me about your book. It was a pleasure and uh, thank you for inviting me to having this uh, conversation.